This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं छोड़ते वेलकम टू हफ्ता वेन द पब्लिक पेज द पब्लिक इज सर्व एंड एडवर्टाइजर्स पे एडवर्टाइजर सर्व टूडे वी हैव अ वेरी डिफरेंट एंड स्पेशल हफ्ता बिकॉज हाफ द हफ्ता इज बींग रिकॉर्डेड हेयर इन आर स्टूडियो एंड द अदर हाफ विल बी फ्रॉम द लोकेशन एट द मीडिया रंबल विच इज टेकिंग प्लेस दिस वीकेंड दोज ऑफ यू हुल बी देर सी यू देर दोज ऑफ यू हु वॉन्ट यू कैन कैच इट ऑनलाइन सो टूडे ऑन द हफ्ता ऑन द पैनल we have samrat x he doesn't like using his surname he's joining us from kolkata he lives in shillong but has also lived in assam in the past uh, i know he won't like it when we say this but he i'd say somewhat of an authority on all matters northeast even while that sounds a generalization bordering on racist ki sab northeast ek hi hai but i think that that's a bit of a being over woke just like people say south india an expert on south india it's fine you can club karnataka tamil nadu Kerala and Andhra as one political block, just like you can club Uttar Pradesh, Bihar, and Madhya Pradesh as one. So the oversensitive types, please get over yourselves. And um, <laughs> Manisha is looking nice. perplexed. <laughs> On that friendly and not hostile <laughs> note at all, uh, we have our award-winning journalist Hi. Manisha Pandey with Hello. us. Hello. And we have our in-house design head and chief artist. Uh, one of the finest in the country all the beautiful illustrations that you see are done by him anish hello who will give you his surname himself anish daulogupu daulogum gupu daulogupu <laughs> uh, who is not dimasa dimasa and the reason anish is joining us he doesn't usually uh, although he's an in-house uh, team is because we are going to be discussing uh, national register for C- of citizens nrc of as uh, you know which has just started in assam it has led to major political rumblings all over the country i'll briefly explain why and uh, i thought it would be interesting to get a view of two people who have skin in the game both anish and samrat and are from there uh, because often we get a criticism ki hum hi apna gyan phelte rehte hain about pe- places we you know have no skin in the game and don't know enough about so i hope this will be a really good introduction or an explaining or analysis of the nrc so on popular demand since so many of our subscribers and listeners insisted that we have a segment we have a portion of this hafta dedicated to that i'll just tell you what the nrc is the nrc is something that was promised in the assam accord uh, back in 19 uh, first one was carried out in 1951 which was after the census and then there were promises to update it because of fears of illegal immigrants and it was finally signed as a undertaking in 1950, the assam accord yeah according that, to rules framed in the assam accord uh, so now basically the idea why this happened was because there was a certain criticism and disgruntlement of people from assam which that there are a lot of people here who are actually illegal infiltrators they do not uh, have a vote here they're not even indian citizens but at the same and time they're changing the, the demography and they ch- yeah the demographic you know uh, entire uh, data is being warped by their presence there but at the same time there were native Uh, you know the people from india who are you know legitimate indians who also settled there and because it's very difficult to tell them apart there was supposed to be an exercise which is a robust clinical exercise which actually tells you who is from here who is not the rules frame to anyone from 1971 is the cut off date is that right yeah. 1971 march 24 1971 so if you were there on or before that date you would get citizenship irrespective 
otherwise you would have to prove your ancestry or you will not get citizenship in india so, the only so thing that yeah. was because of the war which happened with bangladesh Pakistan, with, uh, with east bangladesh. pakistan right e, the what was pakistan yeah. a lot yeah. of uh, so you know, people, people came, came and we uh, so the government said we are going to give you uh, refugee status and once the war is over you should you go, go, back. go back and a lot of people didn't end Did up not go back so the yeah. refugee status stayed on permanently because india is the land of opportunity believe it or not but also hindu refugees would be persecuted in bangladesh i mean from years to come after the war also there was but then the, but, so but you, this government is obviously soft on hindu refugees but hmm. more importantly uh, assam has been in the news but why this has national implications is because this actually applies to all over the country it is being done by in assam because of the accord but it can this exercise can be done anywhere in the country to create this nrc and that uh in my view personally is the main aim of politicizing this because my guess is this is going to be the driving election kind of rhetoric that the bjp will take uh, this uh, in the coming election so we will discuss that in a little more detail from people who know and i just want to put out a disclaimer saying that i am not an expert on this uh, i just live this so i have my opinions please do not Uh, lynch me afterwards so you see anish is obviously a complete misfit on the hafta because he says he's not an expert on something hum to bade expert bade whereas you we know guys are clearly anish like. and i sit every week talking from everything from trump to the honduras to you know the revolutions in chile and and kerala because we are fucking experts in everything anish tum yaar hafte mein fitter nahi hote tum bade humble type ke ho aisa nahi chalega so let's get into it samrat who's joining us from Bengal in Kolkata uh, your piece on it called the great nrc mess has been shared widely and uh, a lot of people have read it and found it found it very informative uh, so before i start can i just have everyone's positions on this uh, yours is clear but if you could just summarize for it uh, for our listeners uh, samrat what is your position on this nrc the need for it and the implementation both aspects well uh, thanks uh thanks abhinandan and uh, you know see my position in brief is basically that there is a need to protect india's borders and that uh, illegal migration is a problem i concede that the 4100 kilometer boundary between india and bangladesh is porous these are my starting positions my objection to the nrc which in its present form i am opposing is because it is evident that a lot of people among the 40 lakh who will be you know victimized because of this in different ways are almost certainly indian for example people have been mentioning there is one bjp mla whose name is not on the list there is one bjp mla whose wife's name is not on the list yesterday there in the express there is actually the indian army for 30 years whose name correct. is not on the list in fact there is one air force president of india whose family is not on the list correct correct so there's some air force mm-hmm. uh, officials also whose names are not on the list so yeah there is that long mm-hmm. list so but uh, i mean i i don't want to make this a black and white kind of discussion of positions like uh, some channels tend to but if i were to take a slightly nuanced view the implementation of the, or this project as it has unrolled in your view mm. is unnecessary and destructive is that right see i don't think it was unnecessary i'm that's why i'm saying i'm not opposed to the nrc per no, se conceptually but this saying, this project as it's unrolled right now i'm saying that this was flawed i am saying that that the present exercise unfortunately despite all the effort seems to be flawed and for me that is a problem because you know you can't throw out lakhs of people who may very well be indian because some clerks screwed up right so um anish you again you can t- tell me the nuance of your position but if i were to kind of categorize it you are in favor of 
such a registry is that right i mean like this step has been the nrc is something that the people of assam have been wanting for the longest time so something like this i i thought like the government would do something to actually uh, recognize the different and differentiate between the different uh, between the illegal uh, immigrants and the actual inhabitants of assam the way that it's being done and uh, i'm I don't know if it's like the, if it was the best way. There there are flaws as have been pointed out, but But before you go any further, if I may ask Samrat, you have skin in the game because you are a Bengali settled in Assam, is that right? In Shillong. No, no, I am from Shillong. Shillong. I am I was born and brought up in Shillong. But you're Bengali. And uh, my father is born and brought up in Assam. Okay. And uh, But from so Bengal initially. Yeah. We are from the northeast. Generally broadly speaking post partition. Hmm. My grandfather was in Sylhet. which in a referendum in a very uh, controversial referendum went into what is now bangladesh and uh, you know as a result of that they moved to assam where my father's elder brother was then already entered eldest brother so you're of and, uh, bangla ancestry who father lived in assam and now you live in shillong basically right Yeah, I divide my time between Shillong and Kolkata. Now, earlier, as you know, I used to live in Delhi and Bombay, right. and also Correct. you know different. So, th- so that's your skin in the game, Anish. You see yourself as a inhabitant, so, uh, as a uh, Malu would say, native. What is your native? <laughs> so, I'm a Dumasa. tribal from assam uh, I, I, we consider ourselves like most tribes do to be the first inhabitants of assam okay <laughs> so you don't consider assamese as much as you consider still damasa yeah so the thing is people always have found it very irritating because there are a lot of different tribes in assam a lot of different tribes in assam and the thing is uh, whenever you people say that i am from assam people automatically say that you are assamese Mm. but you're not because you know uh, our tribal um, identity identity is very important as well so there are karbis who would say that we are an assamese we are actually as karbi mm. uh, dimasa people say we are dimasa mar people would say we are mar and yours is one of the dominant tribes one of the larger tribes over there so how would i'm i don't expect you to speak on behalf of the whole tribe but generally in your family and extended friend circle How is this being perceived? See, uh, the place that we reside, the Mahasa, which is where a large percentage of our uh, tribal population is, the Bangladeshi influence over there has been very minimal, because uh, our district is an autonomous council, and um, the there are certain laws which prohibits people from uh, people who are not tribal to uh, not. you know so the the so called infiltration has infiltration not impacted your area much impacted uh, our area so are they except for uh, like before the autonomous council was formed if there were any people uh, including bengalis who had land over there were allowed to keep the land so are you saying by and large uh, your part of assam My is part indifferent of assam to it is indifferent to it except the the people who live around the bengali muslim population in that there is a significant bengali muslim population in uh, the mahasaw as well and most of the people that we know have gotten the names in the nrc okay. including very poor people like my maid at home mm. she got into the nrc um another help that uh, so there is no major opposition to it either it, there's no major criticism to there the is nrc no major criticism to the nrc I my see. main issue with the way that the media is handling the nrc is they're saying that the bjp is causing a lot of the Uh, they're trying to push in, uh, push out a lot of the Muslims out mm. of the NRC. While the thing is, like, if the Congress had been in power as well, they would have kept a lot of Muslims in the NRC uh, who may not actually have deserved to be there. You yes. say who would be legitimate? So, yeah, uh, infiltrators. Yeah. So 
I think like a lot of the errors might just be clerical errors. Obviously, the BJP might try. I mean, like we have no proof of it, but we'll do be, what's politically expedient for them. Yeah. But you're saying the Congress would have done what is politically expedient for them, even at the cost of national uh, interest. I see. That uh, is, uh, if if I may cut in. Sure. Uh, you know that is that is the perception. But what I'm hearing from uh, friends uh, in various parts of Assam, particularly in the largely Bengali inhabited areas is that when all the maths is done, it will probably turn out that the Bengali Hindus are the largest single community to be left out. You know, among the 40 lakh, the largest single block will be Bengali Hindus and not Bengali Muslims. Really? How? I mean, but... Yeah. But I'd assume it'd be mostly Bengali Muslims, no? No, that was even my assumption initially. It was, I think, everybody's initial assumption. But as the numbers are coming in and as the, you know, district-wise sort of people are getting the figures and topping them together, it seems that by the end of it, I mean, it's it's like calling an election too early, so we can't call it yet, but Mm. it may well be that at the end we will find that the largest single group in this lakh is the Bengali Hindu. So it'll be safe to say that it's mostly Bengalis, Hindus and Muslims. So it's more of Bengali versus Assamese. So um, Manisha, what what do you have to share on this? My position to start with is I think it's the most cruelest exercise that I, I have seen personally since I've been a journalist. It's worse than demonetization. It's worse than anything this government, even the lynchings. I mean, I think if there's one thing that the BJP government deserves to suffer electoral loss for it is this exercise Hmm. because first and foremost just the way it has been implemented it is you're pretending as if you're a nation of you know amazing record keepers Hmm. you want people to give records 47 years this is a place where people don't have a tradition of even registering their birth I know that for my family my grandmothers didn't have a birth certificate they didn't even know when they was born Hmm. many cases still and women are the worst affected in this exercise because neither have their fathers registered their birth nor do they have marriage certificates you have said that people who've had panchayati records for so many years they've lived you know with that proof of residential record which is given by the panchayat you've said that is not valid so even ration cards were even ration cards uh, are not valid supplementary there are uh, stupid things like not accepted by itself yeah Hmm. so you it's not as if you're a nation of amazing record keeping you have this great tradition where everyone records their birth everyone records their death their marriage you've had people live for so long without these certificates living happily with whatever their ration cards their panchayat and now suddenly you're saying oh prove it Hmm. Even the government doesn't keep records sure. like this. Or, so, or, or if uh, they do, one second, or if they do, they get destroyed in fires. Yeah, exactly. Often. You have such a bad tradition of record keeping, and then you rest such an important exercise on a culture that you don't have. Secondly, I, you have I, uh, just one I, more point. I where, want to. Hmm. I, I want to add something here. Yeah, yeah. You know the list of documents. Basically, I think it it uh, in some sense uh, you know is weighted against poor people and all. From all communities, you know, it's coming not community specific because basically it's, it's uh, you know, it talks about okay, electoral rolls definitely before 1971. But if you were, you know, if, if for some reason there's a problem with that or the first NRC of 1951, after that, the things that it asks for, you know, passport. Now, most people don't have passports actually. Hmm. LIC, people don't have LICs, government certificate. Most, most people don't have jobs, forget government jobs. You know, birth certificate, yeah, people used to be born at home. You know, they were not born in hospital. Exactly. Birth certificates, we don't have still Education today. Education certificate. 
you know, not everybody passes their whatever, class 10 or whatever, to have a certificate from a board. You know, so I think that, you know, it should have at least, you know, this, these basic problems should have been kept in mind because, you know, while one community may be more affected than others, there are lacks of people from all communities who have been affected. Yeah, so you wanted to intervene, Anish? So I wanted to make a couple of points uh, against what uh, Manisha said uh, was uh, one of the thing. the first thing was, uh, is the BJP really responsible for this? Because it was, you know, Tarun Gogoi is claiming that he was the one who started uh, the NRC, or at least like he spoke about it. And isn't it being done by the Supreme under orders of the Supreme Court hmm. right now? Hmm. So is it really the BJP who is responsible for this? Okay. They did speak about this uh, during their uh, when they went camp- campaigning. They spoke about this and they said that you know we're going to get the Bangladeshis out there, just following what they said. Hmm. Second thing is the there are a lot of dubious voters in Assam that is generally accepted. Generally accepted, okay. yeah. And um, is that generally accepted, Samrat? The dubious voters in Assam? Well, I mean, it's been a you know it was the basis of the of the Assam agitation all those years back, hmm. and it started with dubious voters being detected in one constituency. So and, okay. uh, you know, so, so it as usually, don't have the exact data. So, so okay, as usually, we don't have the exact data of how much, but it was. Officially detected in one area. It did happen. Okay. According to what? It, it, I, yeah, it was it was in 1979, uh, 1979. Which which constituency was it? Mongolboy, no? I think Nogao, right? Like that's uh, that's where the Nelly massacre yeah. happened. At least. Okay. Uh, I can't really talk about the numbers because I don't have the data for that. But the thing is, dubious voters do exist over there. Okay. And because of which the validity of certain documents do come into question because using that, you know, if you have your voter ID, hmm. you can get other papers made using the voter ID as well. So, you know, some people, there was a report in, in a newspaper, I'll provide the link, mm. where a Bangladeshi person was found to have an Indian passport. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, yeah I'm sure there are many such cases. I, I think, you know, if I make what my take on this is, and I think you, in today's day and age, you can't see a policy intervention or an executive action in isolation without the rhetoric that surrounds it. I mean, rhetoric is the vessel in which they carry whatever the fuck they want to carry. Now, if you see what Amit Shah said in Parliament, he called all these 40 like Ghuspeti, whether they had proved or not. So he's already labelled them. And if you see, you know, the, the government propaganda mouthpieces, Times Now and Republic, yeah. I mean, let's not be under any illusion that these guys are working in isolation. They take their cues from the government and they push the narrative that is, you know, that that has to carry whatever message these guys want to. So since this impacts all of India, and that is why suddenly Assam is getting so much coverage, which it never gets ordinarily when it deserves it, whether they are floods or whatever else it is, is because this National uh, Citizen Registry is, is, you know, an act that applies to all of India. And now Manoj Sivari, the BJP head, is saying they should come and do it in, B- in Delhi as well. I think this is basically on the eve of, uh, I mean, on the run-up to the next general election, will be like Trump had illegal immigrants as his main agenda. They can't keep Ram Mandir's agenda anymore because they'll be kicked out of any place where they go campaigning on that. They can't keep development as an agenda anymore because they haven't quite cracked that. And I think Mr. Modi, who knows as much about economics uh, as he does about rocket science, probably now has understood that it has more to do with factors that are beyond India's control than within India's control. So this is the next big thing that they'll do. They'll do this whole illegal immigrant, you know, beware of the outsider, which is what, you know, Trump did. And I do think that while, you know, what Anish says, I I also have read, you know, those reports that there were those people in Assam and not just Assam, in other parts uh, of the border, Bangladesh areas also, who are not Indians, but they get all the Indian documentation and stuff. But 
I think it's a bit like since there's no data to it, stuff where there is data that can be tracked, we don't use data. And stuff where data is irrelevant, like you know the amount of hate that spokespersons put out, there we look for data. I, I mean, our country it's a bit warped. If like Trump said, there were millions of you know false voters in the U.S. election, whereas the fact is there were just a few hundred, and he can't prove that million number. I think that's what the BJP is doing. And you can't see it in isolation. So irrespective of the pros or cons of the registry, I think it is, even if it is a necessary step, it has been corrupted and the most destructive use of it has been carried out by the BJP. Anyway, that, that's my this, view. Also, one more this, thing this I want to... This is, sorry, sorry. Uh, this is something hmm. which we have experienced. We have directly experienced. My father experienced it. When he was in college, he was, uh, you know, he was not a foreigner. He was very much born, you know, not born, he was born before, but brought up in, uh, you know, in uh, Assam. So, he, but he was uh, chased out as a foreigner, you know, as a Bangladeshi. Mm. I have, you know, we dealt with it growing up because it was not, it was never about whether, you know, whether you were actually Indian or Bangladeshi. It was, in fact, it was, there was nothing to it. If you had a face like my face, it was enough. Anybody with, you know, it, it, it was racism, plain and simple. Right. And it was ethnic cleansing, plain and simple. So many people's houses got burnt down. So many people were raped, killed, you know, and, and it happened year after year, decade after decade. Hmm. It's just gone on. So when they let these things lose, two things. First of all, the mobs don't go looking for citizenship papers. They look at your face and they either attack you or they don't attack you. Second thing, the, you know, the, the whole thing about who gets affected... Because there is a country called Bangladesh, Bangladeshis, you know, any Bengali is automatically labeled a Bangladeshi. The Muslim Bengali, obviously, but even the Hindu Bengali. So Bengalis bear the brunt of it. The second thing is that there is another country which is also affected. The Nepalis also get affected because there is a country called Nepal next door. So basically, for all these years, you know, it's the Bengalis and to a much lesser extent, because they're tough guys, nobody wants to mess with them, but, but the Nepalese get affected also. And what this does, I mean, obviously we bear, generation after generation, we bear the brunt of it. But the fact of the matter is that it has a very bad repercussion on India's neighborhood as well and on its foreign policy. Right. Also, how does this racism then find its way in NRC? You have a section which was belatedly added, the original inhabitant section. And there have been a lot of reporting done on the fact that how easy it was for people who can prove to be original inhabitants to get in on the NRC. And what is an original inhabitant? Like 40 years later, my grandchildren have to prove whether they were original inhabitants of Delhi or not. I mean, that is no, no, so... The, the, idea, the idea of... No, hang on. The idea of original inhabitant, there is an official document. Yeah. Which, you know, it is about land rights. Uh, it is authored by former Chief Election Commissioner of India, Hari Shankar Brahma, who is from Assam. And it talks about, you know, purity of blood, Lebensraum, things like that. Not exactly in those words, but it is absolutely the politics. And there is a book by a, by a you know, renowned Assamese intellectual, which is called Operation Lebensraum. There is the rhetoric of purity of blood. Who is a son of the soil yeah. system, purity of blood? is and has been there in Northeast India forever. And how does a, I mean, a bureaucratic exercise is essentially legitimizing that pure blood rhetoric. And secondly, on the voters thing, if I agree, if there's a voter, you know, there are D-voters, 
that's a problem but is nrc going to tackle that because the election commission has said it doesn't matter whether you're on it or not we'll still you can still vote i think the nrc is uh, being conducted along with the election commission i think that's no no no, no. The that's election commission different. has said that this has nothing to do with yeah. who's so on electoral what roles. are you doing here but, but if not marking people that's all you're doing but that, if that's what the election commission said now we have to wait to see what it says closer to the election yeah but essentially what will happen from now is that people who are unable to prove themselves will have to fight their cases in the foreign tribunal think, waste uh, their money their time if they have it otherwise just be disenfranchised you know, the rhetoric of uh, original inhabitants that was uh, being brought up i think the reason why that is also being spoken about and it's used uh, for the bengalis as well uh, saying that you don't really have to be afraid if you are an original son of the soil mm. is because or, uh, you know historically there have been a lot of uh, bengalis who have been in assam our tribe d- doesn't have a written script my uh, tribe tribal kingdoms and ancient scriptures everything is in bengali right so like you know bengalis have been there for the longest time have settled over there have been a part of uh, you know freedom struggles and uh, e- even a fight against mughals they have been a part of history so i think uh, when people say that you know original inhabitants they do actually mean the bengalis who have been living there as well yeah but again in india everything is open to interpretation who's an uh, you know original inhabitant and i guess other countries have the same problem the ones that are you know countries that have are built by a lot of immigrants or invaders uh, in india it was uh, by and large invaders uh, from around the country but that was ages ago in in the us you know a, a white man of british uh, ancestry claims to be you know the original inhabitant where the native yeah, american yeah. actually is and the italians can say well we are and and similarly the blacks so anyway um i anyone wants to add anything more uh, before we close this on nrc and we're going to have the rest of the hafta from the media rumble where we'll be speaking to a lot of very interesting people but before we do that any closing comments anish samrat i think one thing that we haven't spoken about is the media we briefly touched on it but of course national media and media in assam have both have not even i mean even when the chief minister is saying that these are not illegal immigrants everyone has said 40000 illegal immigrants 40000 40 lakh 40 lakh hmm. so that of course i mean that is one thing that uh, hasn't been talked about and i forgot what i was and the other thing manisha is going to connect it but it'll come back to her as she eats five badams <laughs> meanwhile uh, uh, samrat you've been uh, i mean you've been consuming some local media how is local media reporting it as opposed to english media local media uh, i think is also unfortunately it is uh, it is divided uh, you know by politics and by geography so it depends on you know where you are looking at and what what newspaper you are looking at but uh, i wanted to make you know one closing comment which is a slightly theoretical point it is basically that that you know we now think in terms of ethnic identity ethno linguistic identity so so for example people talk you know like anish was mentioning about written script and the language the thing is that these ethno linguistic identities including the bengali and the assamese which now have unfortunately you know they often keep coming into conflict with each other at some level the thing is that that uh, these ethno linguistic identities i mentioned in my piece i have not found any evidence of the existence of these as, as you know separate ethno linguistic identities before the advent of the colonial period what i'm saying essentially is that you had dynastic kingdoms you know and within the dynastic kingdoms so for example it could be the ahom kingdom it could be the kachar kingdom it could be the koch kingdom you didn't know really the ethnicity of each person in that kingdom sometimes you didn't even know the ethnicity of the king of the kingdom because you know they they could be from whichever ethnic group you know 
eventually over a period of time these geographical identities became ethnic identities ethno linguistic identities so an assamese the reason it is so difficult to define who an assamese is because the dimasa will say i am dimasa but i live in you know, my i am also part of assam is because there are so many communities there it's a geographical construct it's not an ethnic construct hmm that's true so, so which is oh, one thing which i wanted to bring up is uh, you should never name a state after a people because after people then they claim it as their people yeah their then state. then they claim it as their own hmm. state like i love the fact that meghalaya is named meghalaya hmm. because it's land of the clouds and right. like khasi gentia people over there i mean they do fight amongst themselves but like it's not but like they can't claim it ki bhai it's named after legacy won't continue yeah. i mean mm. at, at some point the generations will yeah, so, so there are lots of dimasa people in nagaland as well so what is the uh, etymology behind assam this language it comes from the ahom ahoms no? ahom ahom people ahom. So it comes from the ahom yeah. which interestingly the ahoms migrated in the you know they they migrated in the 13th 12th 13th century from what is uh, now China, you know, somewhere around Yunnan. So basically, Burma-China border, basically. I so, see. So, so, and the thing is that they were not even the first migrants because the first Muslims migrated to Assam before the first Ahoms. Right. And before that, the Damasas were there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Okay. So, Thanks. Uh, yeah. Point that I wanted to make uh, was see, I think the NRC is. required something like the nrc is required and i know that it's not being done properly as is evident through all the people who have been left out mm. um, and you're not know just saying it's under pressure because no, of manisha's no, no. very uh, aggressive tone right you know, no i'm also for an nrc but then i, I, I but then do think that uh, state what like, you're it's not being done properly and i think at the end we are going to have a huge human rights cri- crisis over there mm. um, but it all depends on how the government actually ends up handling the situation and if they don't handle it like if you leave it up to the people and said okay we're not going to do the nrc anymore i am afraid that something like what happened a long time back you know then when the nelly massacre happened mm. that's going to happen because right now what what you're doing is see Assam, okay for those of us who are not too familiar with the nelly massacre and those listeners can someone quickly in brief tell us what was the nelly massacre and what led to it and then what it led to um, sabrati want to just give a quick explain of to our listeners on that nelly is a place in assam it's, uh, it's on the road from guwahati to nogao it's a small village which is largely inhabited by bengali muslim people and uh, in 1983 in uh, you know overnight the official figure is that 2100 and something but the unofficial figure is more than 3000 people were stuck to death they were massacred essentially you know with machetes and and with uh, you know with uh, dows and things like that and bamboo. and uh, and till today not one person has ever been brought to book for that there was absolutely no justice nothing ever happened to any of them and, and uh, the what what is the word there this was done by who well the assam agitation was then going on so it was done by people who were you know supporting or in in something involved with that agitation so i have original inhabitants i have yeah original inhabitants i have some uh, detail regarding that so apparently i actually met one person who took part ah. in the nelly massacre okay like i met someone who went uh, all the way from halflong you know which is very far away especially at that point of time there were no roads so bulawa gaya tha unko ki ye ho raha hai hamare sath nainsafi ho rahi hai you all must come and we should do something about it so someone actually like a bunch of people from my district went all the way to nogao and took part in the massacre so uh, this is what i fear might happen again see the thing is we as a 
state like uh, in in our state there are so many tribes and all of us are racist you know like <laughs> and all all of us hate each other we've had a lot of inter tribal wars the karbis have fought the damasas the damasas have fought the nagas even right now when the two people uh, in karbianglong got lynched hmm. the assamese people decided that all tribals hmm. even though it was just the karbis and the bodos who actually took part in the uh, lynching all tribals must be kicked out of government institutions they are all junglies and they none of them deserve to so stay so it became a tribal versus so it became a tribal versus uh, non tribal thing now in the nelly massacre it actually brought together people yeah uh, because there was a other that common you could common enemy, enemy that the tribes got together to yeah and similarly right now you can see also like a lot of the different states surrounding assam are closing off the borders and refusing and yes, not letting people in to mizoram, come in right? mizoram right mizoram no everywhere mizoram nagaland sorry a student union has done that right a lot of places the borders have been shut off so what i'm fearing is that like if things aren't done properly something like this might happen again and this will lead to repercussions for tribals and bengalis living all over the country mm. when something like this had happened 2 years back tribals got affected in living in uh, amdavad to delhi to bombay mm. like they were attacked by muslim people saying ki tum log musliman ko kaat rahe ho udhar and obviously they couldn't understand the difference between a bodo and a damasa or an assamese they attack all the tribals that they could see sure. okay um thank you all and i hope uh, you're going to be traveling extensively and we'll speak with you for a for a very um, robust and i the most 360 view on this samrat looking forward to that thanks thank you thank you So as promised we bring you hafta from the media rumble we have some of the finest journalists in the country and might i say the world uh, here with us uh, right now i'm going to speak with malini subramanyam who was with the scroll and if you remember she we have featured her earlier on news laundry where she faced the wrath of the state and of a bullying community which was supported by the state and we have the editor of prabhat khabar uh, ashutosh chaturvedi thank you f- both for coming to the media number first of all welcome sir thank you very much and welcome malini thank you so much let me uh, start with you malini uh, what do you think are the biggest challenges that journalism and news generally is facing in the current environment and are they unique or have we been here before you see i have been in the field of journalism since 2015 since i've been actively reporting one of the things that i'm observing right now is that very few grounded report that are coming out so that is the biggest challenge people are there are more opinion pieces but less of a uh, ground report the other part is that places like bassar from where i reported and many others it's becoming increasingly more difficult to pull out news because there's lots happening a uh, lot of arrests happening a lot of killings happening and counter deaths happening but nobody is able to verify news nobody is able to go back to those places why is that is it laziness or no one wants to risk being on the ground hopefully not laziness but it's more to do with the fear of uh, being branded as maoist if you go there the other part is that you know the fear of the maoists themselves you know doing something against you is also a fear that a mo- lot of journalists face so they but get it from both sides they get from both sides but uh, the effort to take on that work uh, needs a bit of a risk undertaking and i think we need to push the envelope to tell the state that we would go uh, you know we need to go and be there to know what the exact uh, truth is so that is not happening if i remember correctly state endorsed goons had uh, broken your car windscreen and there was major um, you know uh, intimidation because you reported on some ground issues that need to be reported like you said and very few people are doing it how's it now like do you live in f- constant fear is there 
are you able to go to places that you want to go to how have things changed see the fact that they were uh, they wanted to drive people like us out and they uh, were successful in that they managed to push the news down so there's very little news coming out in the sense that you know i do reach out to those places but it's difficult coming from i live in hyderabad now so reaching those places why is it because of it was impossible for you to live where you live earlier or well they threw me out because the landlord uh, was threatened to throw me out of the house and who's going to give me a rented accommodation again until i have my own house which i have now sort of done it and i do go and live there it's just about ready so i i try go there live there and then hope to return to these places so i do go to those villages and uh, sort of uh, gradually building up my uh, work back again thank you for what you do it's a great service you're doing and all your listeners listening in that's how difficult reporting is so next time you sit on your asses and just talk shit put yourself in those shoes and tell us how long you'd last uh, and until then do support independent journalists across spectrums across platforms if you really care about news ashutosh ab batai what are the main uh, challenges in journalism and if you could just shed a little bit of light on how you see digital changing journalism dekhi jahan par prabhat khabar nikalta hai wo ilake mein bahut zyada digital ka asar nahi hai isme koi shak nahi ki wahan par डिजिटल हर जगह है कनेक्टिविटी के इश्यूज़ हैं बहुत ही इंटीरियर जगह है लोगों के पास में जो पैसे हैं उसकी भी दिक्कत है लेकिन ये सही है कि मार्केट ने अखबारों के पूरे एक स्वरूप को चरित्र को बदल दिया है ये शहर सेंट्रिक चाहते हैं जो एडवर्टाइजर है उसका बड़ा प्रेशर है जिसके पास पैसा है कुछ खरीदने के लिए तो ये होता है कि साहब वो उस क्लास में आप अखबार बेचिए जिसमें जिसके पास परचेजिंग पावर है तो वो ज़्यादातर शहरों में ही केंद्रित है बाजार है मार्केटिंग के बहुत सारे दबाव है अगर आप देखें अगर मैं जैसे एडिटर इन चीफ हूँ तो मुझे बहुत सारी चीज़ों से देखना पड़ता है न्यूज़ प्रिंट की प्राइसेस पिछले तिगुनी हो गई हैं और कट थ्रोट कंपटीशन है अखबारों में हम लोग जैसे फेस करते हैं तीन तीन पब्लिक लिमिटेड वाले अखबार हैं हमारे मार्केट में पूरे इसमें जिसमें हम लोग एक रीजनल अखबार हैं तो उसमें प्राइस वॉर चल रही है न्यूज़ प्रिंट की प्राइसिस बढ़ गई हैं सरकारें बड़ी विज्ञापनदाता हो गई हैं उनके अलग अपने दबाव हैं छोटे छोटे से ग्रुप्स हैं उनके भी दबाव हो गए हैं कॉपोरेट अलग उनके अलग हैं बहुत सारी बड़ी बड़ी कंपनियां हैं उनके विज्ञापन दाता है उसके बीच में ये एक हम लोगों के लिए सबके लिए बड़ी चुनौती है कि निष्पक्ष और सही खबरें लोगों तक पहुंचे ये तो एक कमर्शियल एस्पेक्ट हो गया लेकिन आपका तो एक्सपीरियंस रहा है आप एडिटर इन चीफ हैं कभी तो आपने ट्रेनिंग रिपोर्टर से शुरुआत की होगी क्या इनमें से कौन सी प्रॉब्लम यूनिक दो की है कौन सी प्रॉब्लम हमेशा थी और किस हद तक ये जो एक मैं पर्सनली तो मानता हूँ लेकिन इन दर्स्यूट ऑफ फेनस कई लोग कहते हैं कि एक हवा है ये सरकार की जर्नलिस्ट पर हाउ यूनिक इज दैट इज दैट न्यू इज द कॉमर्स एंगल न्यू वॉट इज न्यू एंड वॉट इज लाइक इट हेज ऑलवेज बिन बट वी हैव नीड टैकल देखिए ये सही है कि दबाव हमेशा से सरकारों का मीडिया पर रहा है कुछ ना कुछ है उसकी इम्पैक्ट और उसका असर थोड़ा सा ज़्यादा और कम हो सकता है लेकिन उसके बीच में ज़्यादा या कम अभी मतलब ये बिल्कुल जो है ये कहना बड़ा मुश्किल है कि वो कंपेरेटिव डिग्री कितनी है लेकिन कॉपरेट का भी दबाव कुछ ग्रुप्स हैं जो बहुत सारी कम्युनिटीज़ हैं वो दबाव डालने लगे हैं कि साहब नहीं हमारे खबरें इसी तरह से छपेंगी जो हम लोग आजकल फेस कर रहे हैं वो नहीं तो हम आपका अखबार जो है एक एथनिक कम्युनिटीज और कास्ट हो गई कम्युनल लाइन उस टाइप हाँ वो भी एक प्रेशर फ्लेक्सिंग मसल मसल और उसमें अखबार को उसमें ये सब हम लोगों के लिए बड़ी चुनौती है दूसरा जो सबसे बड़ी बात है जिसकी और मान ली हमने भी थोड़ा सा इशारा किया रिपोर्टिंग ग्राउंड रिपोर्टिंग जो अंदर जाकर और लोगों के इश्यूज हैं कंसर्न हैं जिसके लिए प्रभात खबर जाना जाता है उसको है इसमें निश्चित रूप है कि थोड़ा बहुत 
हम लोगों में भी शहर में जरा आसान होता है रिपोर्टिंग करना गांव में उनके इश्यूज को हाईलाइट फ्रॉम वे यू स्लीप टू हाउ यू ड्राइव टू वे यू गेट एवरीथिंग इज अ चैलेंज सो व्हाई डिड यू बिकम अ जर्नलिस्ट आपको तो काफी टाइम हो गया आप क्यों बने थे जर्नलिस्ट और आज क्या वही परस्यूट या वही आइडियल कायम है कि आप कारण बदल गए नहीं नहीं मैं असल में मेरे ग्रैंडफादर जर्नलिस्ट थे और किसी समय विशाल भारत और गांधी जी के साथ में थे फ्रीडम स्ट्रगल में उन्होंने किया तो उनकी कुछ प्रेरणा से ही मैं आया था हालांकि मेरी बैकग्राउंड जो है कभी उस तरह की नहीं थी मेरी जो दूसरी पीढ़ी थी पिताजी और सारे अंकल्स वगैरह वो सब टीचिंग पे थे वो चाहते थे कि टीचिंग पे हो लेकिन मैंने साइंस पढ़ने के बावजूद जो है केवल उनकी वजह से हुआ और एक पैशन की वजह से हुआ केवल उस समय तो एक कोई प्रोफेशन नहीं हुआ करता था जर्नलिस्ट कायम है क्या बिल्कुल जो है उसके लिए मैंने Uh, for about three years or so. So you really prepared long to be a journalist, huh? Yeah, looks like. And I mean, I didn't deliberately prepare, but it's just that I'm happy to have uh, made the full circle to come back to reporting. Thank you both. Thank you for talking to me. Thank, thank you very much. So now I have with me Ravish Kumar, the, the celebrity journalist. अजीब लगता है जब कोई celebrity journalist बोलता है. हाँ, अब बहुत ज़्यादा हो गया यार. आपको अजीब लगवाते हैं. मतलब free के celebrity है ना अभी तो cooker का add किए, ना मसाले का add किए. Celebrity मतलब वो होना चाहिए. तो टायर का कम से कम टायर कवर का तो ऐड हो ना बजाज स्कूटर के पीछे लिखा हो लॉन्ड्री का ऐड कर दो ऐसी क्या बात है तो आप हमें कई बार बता चुके हैं कि क्या प्रॉब्लम्स है जर्नलिज्म में हार्वर्ड इंडिया कॉन्फ्रेंस में भी हमने वो दिखाया था कई अब आप ये बताइए मुझे वॉट इज राइट विद जर्नलिज्म राइट ये है कि हिंदुस्तान की जनता जो जनता है जो अलग अलग माध्यमों से अलग अलग भाषाओं में सूचनाओं को एक्सेप्ट कर रही है रिसीव करती है उसके बीच एक अच्छा खासा हिस्सा है जो जर्नलिज्म को जर्नलिज्म के उसूल से देखती है ये अच्छी बात है उसका से नहीं है कि वो एक न्यूज़ रूम के स्ट्रक्चर को बदल दे या एक अखबार को गवर्नमेंट के कंट्रोल से बाहर कर दे पर वो उसको समझती है वो उसको लेकर अवेयर है एक्सप्रेस करती है बहुत कंसर्न है ये जर्नलिज्म को लेकर पब्लिक में एक राइट थिंग है दूसरी बात ये है कि कुछ पत्रकार कुछ वेबसाइट धीरे धीरे अपने बहुत उनका रिसोर्स बहुत लिमिटेड है क्योंकि मेन स्ट्रीम मीडिया के सामने उनकी हैसियत बहुत छोटी है छोटी का मतलब यह है कि जितना स्प्रेड आउट उनका है जिले तक और आखिरी रीडर तक उतना नहीं है जो दिल्ली से चलने वाले वेबसाइट हैं जिसमें आप भी हैं जिसमें स्क्रॉल भी है वायर भी है हिंदी न्यूज़ लॉन्ड्री भी है और हिंदी वायर भी है तो इनके लिए इन्होंने क्लिनजिंग किया और वो हर पत्रकार को हटाया गया प्रिडिटरी तरीके से कि इनको हटाओ इनको हर तरह से न्यूज़ रूम से हटाओ और वो हटा के वो क्लीन हो गया है वो उनके एजेंडे के हिसाब से है अब जो ये छोटी छोटी संस्थाएं जो जनता के समर्थन से मीडिया हाउस खड़ा करने का प्रयास कर रही हैं ये टेस्ट पब्लिक का है मतलब पब्लिक को भी टेस्ट देना पड़ता है डेमोक्रेसी का टेस्ट सिर्फ जर्नलिस्ट क्यों ले क्यों उससे उसको भी इस टेस्ट में आना पड़ेगा कि कुछ लोग कोशिश कर रहे हैं तो क्या आप उस कोशिश को वैल्यू करते हैं 
क्या आप उस कोशिश को सपोर्ट करते हैं ज़रूर उसके पास उतनी आर्थिक क्षमता नहीं होगी पर फिर भी मैं चाहता हूं कि वो इसको वैल्यू करे और सपोर्ट करे फिनेंशियली क्योंकि मैं ये बार बार बोलता भी हूं कि आप केबल न्यूज़ पर पैसे खर्च करते हैं आप अखबार पे पैसे खर्च करते हैं और आप डेटा पर भी कुछ ना कुछ खर्च करते हैं ठीक तीन चार चीज़ों को मिला के करीब करीब आप हज़ार रुपया महीने में खर्च कर देते हैं हार्ड एंड मनी उससे अच्छा है कि इनको बंद करके या इनको कम करके सौ से दो सौ रुपया आप इस तरह के वेबसाइट से जो पब्लिक के पैसे से जो गवर्नमेंट का फंड ना लेके चलाना चाहता आप उसको सपोर्ट कीजिए वैसे भी आपका पैसा गटर में जा रहा है ये गोदी मीडिया को देने में तो अच्छा है कि आप जरा ढंग की जगह दे दें तो ये एक राइट चीज़ है पर यह राइट चीज़ बहुत लिमिटेड स्पेस में है इंडियन जर्नलिज्म में कि लोग अभी भी उस वैल्यू को बचाए हुए हैं सर दिस इज वन एस्पेक्ट लेकिन एक गुलजार की फिल्म है गुलजार की लाइंस हैं कि जब एक कैरेक्टर दूसरे को बोलता है अगर मरने के कारण हो सकते हैं तो जीने के भी कारण हो सकते हैं तो इतना एक्सट्रीम ना लेते हुए अगर सीनिसिज्म के कारण हो सकते हैं तो एक ऑप्टिमिज्म के कारण भी हो सकते हैं सो ऑफन वन हेयर्स सीनिसिज्म फ्रॉम यू विच इज योर जॉब एज ए जर्नलिस्ट टू टेलस वॉट्स रॉन्ग क्योंकि ये तो नहीं बोल सकते जी आप दस फ्लाइट अच्छी टेक ऑफ हुई जो एक क्रैश होगी वही तो न्यूज़ होगी लेकिन क्या ऐसा होता है कि जर्नलिस्ट बुरी खबर कवर करते करते खुद भी सिनिकल हो जाता है आपको क्या लगता है कि जर्नलिज्म में इतना लड़ते लड़ते झगड़ते झगड़ते जर्नलिस्ट खुद सिनिकल और बहुत पेसिमिस्टिक हो गए हैं कि हाउ डू यू सी योर सेल्फ एंड अदर्स इन योर कम्यूनिटी एज जनरली सिनिकल ऑप्टमिस्ट एंड वॉट मेक्स यू गेट अप फ्राम बेड एवरी मॉर्निंग एंड से चलो आज एक नए दिन की हम सामना करते हैं What keeps you going? मुझे नहीं लगता कि ये ये सीनिसिज्म है ये बीमारी तो सब में है आजकल है ना जो प्रेशर में है और जो प्रेशर में नहीं है दोनों इस बीमारी से हैं ऑप्टिमिज्म की क्या बात करें मतलब या ऑप्टिमिज्म ये करें कि यार अभी तो तीन ही सैक हुए हैं तीस हो जाते सारे एडिटर ये बड़ा ऑप्टिमिज्म है तो वो करने की बजाय मेरे पास कोई विकल्प नहीं है जिस तरह के लोग मेरे पास आते हैं और जो उनकी परेशानियाँ मैं दो चीज़ें देखता हूँ कि सिस्टम उनको रोज़ कुचल रहा है और मीडिया वॉइस को गवर्नमेंट तक नहीं ले जा रहा है ठीक तो इसके बीच में आप आ, किसी कॉन्टेक्स्ट में लकीली या जैसे भी बाई चांस आप वहां पर खड़े हैं और आप उसको एक्सप्रेस कर रहे हैं तो एक्सप्रेस करने की जो इनेबिलिटी है रिसोर्सेज की वो ज्यादा डिट्रीमेंटल है आप आप जिसको आप सिनिसिज्म कहते हैं मतलब आप नहीं कर पाए जो अफसोस है पर वो सीनिसिज्म नहीं है पर मुझे लगता है कि अगर आप इस माहौल में भी अगर आप सीनिकल नहीं हैं तो फिर किस माहौल में होंगे फिर तो आप With a very bright smile on his face. आप किस माहौल में होंगे मेरे पास सचमुच टाइम नहीं है मतलब आपको किसी को मेरे साथ सुबह छः बजे से लेकर रात के बारह बजे तक देखना चाहिए हर वो कॉल मैं वॉइस पर सुना सकता हूँ कि कोई ना कोई आदमी दूर दराज से वो बात कर रहा होता है कि मेरा दो हजार ग्यारह का इम्तहान है मेरा ये पुलिस वाला ये कर रहा है वो कर रहा है तो इतने सारे परेशान लोगों के साथ मैं बात कर रहा हूँ तो यही मेरा ऑप्टिमिज्म है जिसको आप सीनिसिज्म कहते हैं कि मैं इनकी बात इनसे बात कर पा रहा हूं और इनकी बात सबकी भले नहीं कुछ की बात में रख पा रहा हूं मैं क्या कर सकता हूं बताइए वो आदमी कितना परेशान है जिसका 2011 में नौकरी हो गई है और सरकार उसको अपॉइंटमेंट लेटर नहीं दे रही है एक ब्लाइंड लड़का है जिसको रेलवे बोर्ड के चीफ ने मुलाकात की हमारे प्रोग्राम के बाद एक महीने तक कुछ नहीं हुआ जब हम उससे बात करते हैं तो बोलते हैं यार हम कितनी बार दिखाएं कुछ हो नहीं रहा है मेरे प्रोग्राम से कुछ नहीं होता हम केवल दिखाने के लिए दिखा देते हैं तो कहते हैं एक बार और दिखा दीजिए तो मुझे लगता है कि चलो एक दिन और कर देते हैं तो कहाँ टाइम है यार थैंक यू सो मच दैट वॉज सच अ वंडरफुल कॉन्वर्जेशन एंड आई विश यू कुड सीन द स्माइल ऑन इज फेस वाइल बी टॉक अबाउट सच डार्क स्टफ 
बट सच इज लाइफ एंड थैंक्स रवीश हंसी गायब हो गई मैं कैसे हंसूंगा बताओ रोज मैं सैकड़ों की संख्या में और जितना एक सांसद लोगों के संपर्क में आता है उतना मैं उतने के बराबर तो जरूर मैं लोगों से बात करता हूँ उनके व्हाट्सएप मैसेजेस पढ़ता हूँ जिसमें गालियाँ भी इंक्लूडेड हैं चिट्ठियाँ पढ़ता हूँ लोगों के फ़ोन सुनता हूँ और मुझे कहीं कोई खुश आदमी नहीं दिखता है और सबकी परेशानी मेरी ज़िंदगी की परेशानी से बहुत ज़्यादा गंभीर है तो अगर मैं खुश होने लगूँगा तो इसका मतलब मैं सिस्टम से कोआप होने लगा हूँ तो मैं वो नहीं होना चाहता भाई सो द गुड न्यूज़ इज़ दैट देर इज़ वेरी लिल गुड न्यूज़ <laughs> On that note, do subscribe, pay to keep news free. Cause when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. Support independent media. Support News Laundry. Goodbye. Until next time, then. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.